Welcome to the Simply Charlotte Mason podcast. I'm Sonia Schaefer. And today, my friend and co-worker, Laura Pitney, is here. We're going to discuss a question that we received about narration. So here's what it said. With more than one child in the phase of doing oral narration, how do I have them each do a narration on what we read together without them just copying the child that goes first? At what point do you transition into written narration and... How does that work? So we got several questions here to discuss. <laughs> for sure. Why don't we start by backing up, and for anyone who's watching that might not know what narration is, let's talk about what narration is. Start. All for right. Sure. Narration is basically telling back in your own words what you just heard or read. Um, it's a much higher thinking level than true, false, multiple choice, fill in the blank. And it's like we're asking them to do many things. Mm -hmm. um, pay full attention, take it all in, remember it, put it in the right sequence, mix it with ideas already in mm -hmm. their heads, form it into coherent sentences, <laughs> and then give it back to you. Sure. So uh, there's a reason, I guess, Charlotte called it oral composition. Yeah, and I think that's a huge thing to remember about why you're doing narration is it's one of those stepping stones to composition. Mm -hmm. um, I think realizing that by doing narration, it becomes their own possession. Yes. And that's what we want for our children, and that's why we do it. Yes, yes. It's a tool that they can yeah. use their entire lives, really, yeah. to help them learn anything. Yeah. I remember years ago, it was so interesting the fact that oftentimes what we remember is that first narration that we told. It's mm. not actually the real thing per se, but it's the narration, the words that we told back. Mm -hmm. And mm. I thought about the times when um, my husband and I would talk about sermons. You know, we would yeah. discuss it, and then years later I would remember that discussion Yes, more than the original content. Yes, and the so, actual delivery correct, of the sermon. You remember correct. what you said about it. Yeah. So in my own life, I've seen the importance of that narration. So to teach our children and to do it correctly with them um, I, is lifelong for yes. them. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. Okay, so how does this mama do it with all these children in the oral narration phase and not just copying the first one? In my mind, <laughs> there, are, there are many ways you can approach an oral narration yeah. with several children. Yeah. Uh, the first one, which she doesn't want to do very often, is <laughs> to you know, line them up youngest to oldest and say, okay, youngest one, go first, yeah. and now the next one. You could have them each do the whole narration again, but I think yeah. that would be a bit redundant, yeah. and that's where she's coming into these problems. Sure. So another way to approach it would be have the youngest one give the narration and then just go down the line. Do you have anything to add? Do you have anything to add? Mm -hmm. But we don't do this one very often. <laughs> they say, nope, we don't have anything <laughs> right. else to add. Oh, he did a great job. Yeah, we don't Got need to all. add it. Yeah. So don't use that one very often. Yeah. But you could also do, um, okay, you start, and when you get into it a little bit, then say, okay, hold it there. Who do you want to pick it up mm -hmm. from there? And Oh, you want Joey to do it. Okay, then Joey picks it up from there. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, hold it. Who goes next? Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like popcorn sure. style. And, and the kids never know which section of the story they're right. going to have to narrate. So right. they've got to be paying attention to the other sure. narrations as well. Yeah, I definitely think that that works well. And I've used that in my, in my home. Uh, leading up to that, 
as far as training them, I have given them a heads up to say, okay, Chloe, you're going to be the one to narrate first. So give your full attention because she's younger, six, Mm -hmm. seven, eight, Mm -hmm. you know, younger Mm -hmm. years to build her up for success. I have given her a heads up that she will be the first one to narrate or she'll be the one doing this next section that we're reading. We have weaned away from that, but to build up their confidence and that habit of, like you said, listening, processing, putting it in the correct order, telling it back. I feel like that has to be mastered first Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. before we can branch out to these other methods and styles. Um, And you know your children best for sure. Um, So I've done it both ways to where um, I have let my children know ahead of time but I've also done it that way to where, you know, the children choose who's next. Um, I've done it from youngest to oldest. I've done it all kinds of combinations. And um, they have they have grown in their ability to narrate, for sure, using those things. That reminds me of another way to set them up for success, uh, especially if they're having trouble with the sequencing. Yeah, that's is, hard. <laughs> I think of it as shining a spotlight mm-hmm. on the different segments of the story. Um, so you might say, okay... At the beginning of the story, so-and-so did this. What do you remember about that part mm-hmm. of the story? Yeah. And get that narration maybe from this child and then say, okay, next in the story, this happened. Mm-hmm. What do you remember about that? And, and right. say which child you want to narrate right. that section. So you're not asking direct questions on the content. Mm-hmm. You're just saying, okay, let's take this section and you tell me about it. Yeah. And then this and then this. Yeah. Giving them the keywords ahead of time. Oh, yes definitely helps, especially when spotlighting almost in a different way. (laughs) So to give each child a person or a place or an event, that way it's the one that they're specifically looking forward to hearing about. It helps them hold that attention, even though a lot of other things are happening. um, It's almost, it's almost become a game, like the different names and I don't know, that has worked. Yes, that has, (laughs) that has worked well, um, especially when you go back to what you're saying, spotlighting the different events of the chapter or the story. Mm-hmm, nice. Um, and you can also do those other methods of narration, like if you have all kids in the early elementary age and they're all doing oral narration, mm-hmm. you could say, each of you draw a picture of your favorite part of the story. And then when they're done drawing, have them take turns telling you about yeah. their pictures. Yep. Yeah. You're going to need them to tell you about their pictures because you might not be able to tell what it is. So <laughs> that usually yeah. works well with the Well, oral and, part. and you always want it to end up orally. Yeah. You want them yeah. to be able to say something at the yeah. end. Yes, that's true. Yeah, we've had um, quite the adventures uh, in our living room as far as when we read a chapter. Some of the, the stories or chapters lend itself well to acting it out. Yes. And so um, we were, this past school year, we were studying early modern. So a lot of wars happened, a lot of situations, mm-hmm. a lot of strategic things um, had to be in place for other events to happen. And so um, we had lots of, of war and uh Acting out in our living room. Reenactments. Yes. Historical yes. reenactments. And it wasn't okay just to do it one time because everybody wanted to trade roles and the people that they played because a lot of the children actually loved being the bad guy, you know, <laughs> loved being that mischievous person that had to chop off somebody's head or something. So, um, but they remember that. They're able yeah. to, you know, um, recall those events well. And that's one of the goals of narration. Yes. Whatever that looks like. Absolutely, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So the other part of the question then was transitioning into written. When does that happen and how does that happen? 
That's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) So in, in my home, when I know a child is getting close to the age 10, it's on my radar. Like I know it's coming. I feel like we've really tried to master the oral narration. Um, so once they turn 10 or that school year they've turned 10, we've just had to sit down and have a heart-to-heart talk about what my expectations were, what's mm-hmm. going to be happening. That way they're not frustrated with, okay, go write it. Yeah, so, kind of hits them broadside. Yes, they don't know what's happening. Yes. So, you know, Good I point. give them that ownership of you're maturing, you're getting older in your school years. And so this is the, one of the next things that you're going to get to do. And so to just kind of give them that pep talk that it's going to be okay. You don't know how to do this yet, but we're going to get there and this is what we're going to do. So I've done that with my older ones and I, it has helped not have as much um Lashback or mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. the heart of heart of oh this is so hard I don't want to do right. it so um, it hasn't all happened all at once like I said we've had steps so right. you know we're gonna do written narrations together for a while we're gonna you're gonna tell it to me and I'm gonna write it and it may be when the other younger ones are busy doing something else so I think it's a matter of knowing the end result that you want let's say transitioning you want to eventually have two written narrations a week. That's what you want to require of your 10-year-old. So to get to them independently doing two written narrations a week, you're going to have to backtrack right. and say, okay, let's start, let's start with, with us one. doing one together. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then we're going to get meet together again, and it's going to be uh, me writing you know, 90% of it, and then the child does the conclusion. Yeah, I think or, that's a great yeah. way to transition in because yeah. then the child's not looking at a blank sheet of paper, right. getting writer's block. Right. And let me just throw this in too. 10 years old is when Charlotte right. recommended right. we transition, but... If you're starting narration mm-hmm. with an older child, yeah. you might want to start with oral first. Yes, for sure. Because the 10 years old mark kind of assumes mm-hmm. that the child has become fluent Correct. in the oral yeah. part of it. Right. So that's another thing to consider right. when to make the transition. Right. Knowing your child best, knowing that you feel 100% confident that they can do those oral narrations well, yeah. the next natural step is to switch them over to a few narration, written narrations a week. And then, as you said, you could go ahead and type or write what they're saying and stop mm-hmm. like a sentence from the end mm-hmm. yeah. and say, here, you finish it up. That's not yeah. so overwhelming. Right. And then as you do that more and more, you could stop sooner mm-hmm. and sooner and gradually sure. get to where they're writing the whole thing. Sure. One of my older daughters, is um, she has a flair for the dramatic and so to transition her over to written narration, she would write plays. She would write the scripts of the story that happened, and she would give the other children their assigned roles, and they would get in costume, and she was the director of that play. Nice. But that was her way of doing a written narration, mm-hmm. getting the whole family to act this scene out, which lent itself well to her just writing a normal, like a, not a script. A narrative. Yeah. So, you know, for me to give her the freedom to express herself confidently Mm -hmm. in a different way than maybe ultimately what I want to get to, you know, um, really helped her transition over to not being fearful to write, you know. That's a great point. Because Charlotte did have her students, they would write scenes Mm -hmm. from plays. They would write letters, diary entries, Mm -hmm. um, poetry form. Mm -hmm. So you could tailor make that to whatever the child's really interested in to set them up for success, give them that boost of confidence to begin with. That just made me think of another crazy thing she did this year. One of the stories we were reading about um, was a letter that 
one of the um, Americans had written to King George, and she had gotten distressed paper. I mean, she had crumpled it around the edge. She had gotten her feather pin out. She had done it in script. She even got the wax seal, oh, folded wow. the paper, and did the seal, just like in her mind she had envisioned. Yes. Um, so that was her written narration That's for beautiful. that. And, you know, I go to my school desk, and I'm thinking, what in the world? Where did this come from? <laughs> <laughs> Why do I have a seal, you know, a wax seal, you know, letter here? And it was great. That and, was of course, that goes in our keepsake box for, for the school year. But just her creativity, and it was great. Along with the different styles, mm -hmm. um, the script and the poetry and the letters sure. and such, um, Charlotte also then had the children progress in the types of narrations yep. they were writing. Eventually, your goal long-term mm -hmm is that they will be able to write a narrative, yeah. which is tell the story, that's yeah. where it starts, and then a descriptive, where they're describing how mm -hmm. something looks or works, an expository, which is explaining something step by step, and a persuasive narration, which is state your opinion and support it. Sure. And those don't all happen at once. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the kids get practice yeah. with the narrative yeah. in their oral narrations sure. very easily. But then as they get confident mm -hmm. with transitioning to written in those narratives, you can start bringing in a little bit mm -hmm. of the descriptive, yeah. a little bit of the expository. It kind of depends, I guess, on the chapter yeah. and what it lends yeah. itself toward. I would agree, for sure. Yeah. The content that you're covering and what's being discussed. Jumping back just for a second, I yeah. thought of one other thing I would love to mention. Um, it seems like the question that um, there was a, a little thread in there about, yes, transitioning children, but having multiple kids yes. trying to give oral narrations. And the, the comment that comes to my mind, I know we're kind of jumping back, but being organized and knowing, okay, I need to spend time with this child getting this this narration. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. my other children need to be not underfoot so that this child trying to succeed in their own narration has my full attention. Yeah, it's so easy if you're not oh. organized to say, oh, we don't have time for that today. Yeah. Oh, we don't have time for that yeah. today. And the or child's just, left hanging. You know, or just the distractions of having, you know, multiple children in the home and trying to get these oral narrations directly after a reading mm -hmm. when there's just crazy happening. Yeah. So just, I would love to know the answer to that <laughs> because it's hard when you do want to have your children all narrate back to you. And ideally you're doing it in a group setting, mm -hmm. but there's also times when your children do need that one-on-one -on -one full attention from you to for them to be able to give you their own narration. So I just say that as an encouragement to figure out what works best um, when your children do happen to need that one-on-one -on -one attention for their mm -hmm. oral narrations, when there's a host of other children around or distractions happening. Um, I don't have the answer for that, but I just know looking back in my homeschool, um, that is a challenge mm -hmm. to figure out exactly how to maneuver all the moving pieces when you know five kids need to give an oral narration directly after the history reading. Right. You know, and. Right. The ideas like that you mentioned about the popcorn game or going in a certain order or um, a lot of other, you know, ideas for the narration, um, those 
are so handy to have. And I think we had we had talked a lot about the Your Questions Answered narration book yes. um, that has a lot of those troubleshooting type questions in there to where I have this situation, what do I do? Yeah. Or I have a high schooler and an elementary, how do I manage this? So mm-hmm. what, do you, what else would you like to mention about that? Because I know I have it on my shelf and I use it. <laughs> yeah. It also has, in the Your Questions Answered narration book, it has sample written narrations, mm-hmm. which I think are very helpful. Because yeah. it's like, what should I expect from this kid? Yeah. Yeah, as they progress, when should I expect more and how much more should I expect? So it has sample narrations. It has sample narration questions. Yeah. A lot of getting those different types of narration, like expository and descriptive and persuasive, <laughs> well, a lot <laughs> of getting idea. that is all in how you word yeah. the narration question. Yeah. And so it has sample narration questions. Uh, oh, and another resource for that, too, is the narration note cards. I love those. This year was the first time we really used those. Like they were my go-to. One of the reasons I love them so much is I did not have the time to pre-read. It's honestly a common problem. The bottom of my list of things to do is to pre-read. So I could trust those narration note cards and they gave me the confidence to be able to direct my children correctly and to have the keywords and the dates and be able to hand it to my older children for the spelling and mm-hmm. um, giving them the freedom maybe to choose between question two or three or what, whatever applied right. you right. know to them. Um, so those were a lifesaver for me this year, especially having a busy schedule, busy home. Um, I it, it just that was one of the things beyond me this year that I just couldn't do and so I, I definitely uh, those were by my side. <laughs> oh, good. All I'm the, glad the they time. were helpful. That's so. great. Yeah, so I think those two resources, Your Questions Answered mm-hmm. Narration book yep. and the narration note cards yeah. are going to help many mamas with Definitely narration. great tools to have on the shelf, for sure. Whether you use them every day or reference them every once in a while, um, they have definitely been a good resource for me. Excellent. What about you? Do you have any extra tips that are going to help with narration? Leave those in the comments. Or do you have any questions that you would like us to discuss? Leave those in the comments as well. We want to make sure we get your questions answered. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe through iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. You can also subscribe to the video version of this podcast or read the blog post on our website at simplycharlottemason.com. All of those links will be in the notes, along with links to any resources that I mentioned. By the way, did you know that you can tell Siri or your Echo or Google device to play the Simply Charlotte Mason podcast? Give it a try. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you next time.